Uh, I lost my wife, Pam, to cancer on uh, Halloween 2019. I prepared for a, a celebration of life so that everyone could come to Boise to uh, to say goodbye. And as everyone left, my uh, my quiet house uh, overwhelmed me and I realized there was no way I was going to get through this alone. So I called some friends and I found a, a grief counselor. And there were numerous times when I was stuck. I, uh, I, I, I had no idea what to do next. And Jerry helped me get going again. Um, I, I can describe grief as a puzzle, which is 100% unique to you, or as a journey. Uh, both of those metaphors work. Uh, and the key for the, for the journey is to find some help and then to keep your eyes and your ears and your heart open. It really is about what you learn along the way and not at all about the destination. Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about overcoming grief. I'm delighted to welcome John Lodal. John is an engineer, widower, and the author of A Right Brain Awakening, What Grief Taught a Heartbroken Engineer. You can find John's book on Amazon, and I'll include a link in the show notes. Welcome, John. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you, Linda. I appreciate the invitation. It's good to be here. Thank you. And before we begin our conversation, I would first like to express my sympathy and my condolences for your loss. And this changes everything. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm so grateful, not for your bad experience, but that you have turned it into an opportunity, not only to learn for yourself, but to share in such a way that it can help other people who are going through this. And it matters. And as we had a conversation just previous to turning this on, you mentioned that there is a literary vacuum of talking about grief for men. So would you mind briefly kind of sharing your story so that we can have kind of a background for what we're going to be talking about today? Very good. Thanks for asking. Uh, I lost my wife, Pam, to cancer on uh, Halloween 2019. Um, uh, she had gone three rounds with it. It was head and neck cancer. I had the same cancer. Uh, it was eventually uh, attributed to HPV, human papillomavirus. And we don't know why it expressed itself in us. We'd been a faithful couple for decades. Uh, I, uh, I, had, I was the one who was diagnosed first in September of 2012. And then Pam was diagnosed uh, initially in June of 2015. The cancer came back and uh, she was on at Huntsman in, in Salt Lake to get a laryngectomy. She became a neck breather on valentine's day 2017 uh and then in early 2019 uh it came back again and this time it, it got the upper hand and i lost her on uh at the end of october in 2019 um as i uh, I, I prepared for a, a celebration of life so that everyone could come to boise to uh, to say goodbye and that was in early december i gave everybody about five weeks to make travel arrangements and as everyone left my uh, my quiet house uh, overwhelmed me, and I realized there was no way I was going to get through this alone. So I called some friends, and I found a, a grief counselor. And this is one of the first things that I'll share with your listeners. If you find yourself in deep grief, I call I call grief counselors decoders. Mine uh, was by the name of Jerry. She was she was terrific. And there were numerous times when I was stuck. I uh, I, I I had no idea what to do next. And Jerry helped me get going again. Um, I, I can describe grief as a puzzle, which is 100% unique to you, or as a journey. Uh, both of those metaphors work. Uh, and the key for the, for the journey is to find some help 
And then to keep your eyes and your ears and your heart open. It really is about what you learn along the way and not at all about the destination. So I, uh, I began to work with, with Jerry and it was clear that there were, um, there were a number of new skills that I was going to have to, uh, to lean into and to develop if I was going to make progress on this. So one of the first things I learned when I was, uh, when I was doing some reading after Pam died, I read, uh, It's Okay, You're Not Okay by Megan Devine. And she, uh, explained the difference between pain and suffering. Uh, pain is not going anywhere. Pain is not to be ignored uh, to the point where you uh, where she encouraged me as the reader to set a, a, a chair out for pain. It was my new unwanted companion. But here it was. Suffering was more along the lines of poor sleep, poor eating habits. Those are those are things that can be addressed. But I needed to get to know pain. I needed to look at it. I needed to invite it in and say, I know you're not going anywhere. Uh, let's you and I get quite acquainted. And that that helped me a lot. Uh, and this is where my right brain began to awaken, uh, that uh, it was interesting, some of the changes that began to happen to me in terms of me becoming more of an empath, uh, uh, identifying and naming my feelings and then questioning, why are you here now? Uh, what is what, what am I what am I supposed to learn from you? All of those skills were a real key for me to be able to get in there and actively engage the uh, the grief and the the pain that was associated with losing Pam, and that was one of the reasons I wrote the book. Is that um, this? Uh, I, I read a lot of terrific books, and they're in a uh, they're in appendix in my book, but none of them came from the point of view of a left brain geek like me. I was an engineer who worked for thirty two years for HP, and uh, I really had to go in and 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 kind of reconfigure myself in order to make some progress on this journey of grief that I never really wanted to be on, but here it was. Exactly. And nobody wants that journey. We all have journeys that we don't want. We all have that chair for pain to sit on that we didn't ask for. But I appreciate that we don't need to compound that pain with suffering so that there is a, a, a lessening, a, a relief, a little bit of a relief that we don't have to carry everything. Now, as you're sharing your story, I notice several things. One is that you mentioned holidays. There are a couple holidays now that are going to recur every year that now have a specific memory attached to them. And that can become quite a challenge when we're dealing with grief. And for some people, many holidays are very painful. So can we talk for just a second about Halloween and Valentine's Day, how these are now, they have memories attached to them. How do you get through these hard days? Another great question. Thank you for for asking that. The first year was uh, was interesting because uh, I saw so many things coming up, whether it was Pam's birthday, our, our wedding anniversary, Christmas. And it was interesting. I'm not sure uh, what might have been afoot here, but many times the day itself, I got through just fine. And then two days later, the uh, the the, uh, the pain was waiting for me. It just, uh, it, 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 uh, so that happened a number of times. I'm not sure why that was. And then I had to have some long discussions with my, my grief counselor, with Jerry, about this in the second year, because, uh, now it was to the point of, oh, this is my life. And, uh, she asked me one, uh, a great question at the beginning of year number three. She goes, John, what is, uh, what role is Pam going to play in your life going forward? And that was a very, uh, that was a great question. It caused me to sit and, and sit with it and think about it quite a bit. Um, but it was empowering. Uh, after after all this time, whether it was with the MDs or the hospice folks, 
Uh, Pam and I had been following instructions. Uh, do this, do that. We're going to give you the best chance for survival. And uh, it was interesting that uh, once my mind started to come back on uh, online after after her death, I realized there was a there was an intoxicating uh, bit of freedom that was involved here. That that, that I knew that the old John was gone, uh, and I got to be the one who decided who the new John was going to be. Uh, and I wanted to take those those uh, those decisions very very carefully. But one of the things that Jerry helped me understand was the the mental circuit breakers that were involved in uh, in an event like this, losing a spouse, losing a child. Um, and when, when I found Pam uh, on the evening of, of October 31st, 2019, uh, I fuzzed out for about 30 minutes. I, uh, I, I, I sat there and I, I'm not even sure what I was thinking. Uh, but then I realized I really need, need to make some calls here. Um, but I, I began to realize that that uh, I had these epiphanies in the in the months to come. The, the easiest one to share with you is eight months after Pam died, I came up with the thought that part of me died the same day she died. I'm like, well, that's a pretty straightforward epiphany. Why did that take eight months? And this to me was those, uh, those uh, mental circuit breakers kicking back in. These are things that allow you to continue to move forward even amidst overwhelming grief. <laughs> so, uh, Coming to understand that and uh, and paying attention again to the feelings uh, to, and to my own head allowed me to begin to understand some of the processes that were underway in terms of how I grieved. And in the end, as I stood back and looked at this, this is one of the things I learned is I learned a lot about myself. I learned about something that we never talk about at the dinner table, which is uh, which is deep grief and uh, and how I was going to move forward. How it was that I grieved? How faith. Uh, uh, played a role in that, and how it was that I would not be paralyzed by this uh, by this extremely sad event. Wow, that is amazing. So, as you are explaining this, I'm remembering your comment about this is a journey, and this is a puzzle, and it is a personal puzzle. And what does grief mean to me? And how am I going to express this grief? And what? Who, who am I going to be? Because I, I cannot be the same person that I was before. I have to change. My dance partner is no longer here. I have to change. And that is going to be a very individual and unique journey. And you are so wise to have a counselor and to have someone to help you decode that puzzle. And so that you, um, have have help and have assistance for someone who understands maybe not your story, but the basic grief process and how your story interweaves with that grief process. So that is beautiful. So thank you for that advice for trying to figure out. I love the comment of what role is is my wife going to play in my life now? And to think about that is is beautiful because she is a part of you still. And how, how, and what would she, she'd want you to be happy, I'm sure. That's, that's fantastic. Let's go a little bit in the, um, the analytical left brain side. We think of emotions often as kind of a a right brain thing. And when you're an engineer and you're used to thinking, you know, step A goes to step B, and this is how we do things. How can you help someone who is who is quite predominantly left-brained be able to deal with this emotional, deep grief? 
Another good question. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one of the easiest ways I can explain that is uh, to, to sit back and, and maybe use a little bit of your left brain to understand the feelings that you're feeling. Uh, when, when you're in deep grief like this, you're in new territory and there's all this new stuff. And looking back, you, you, you want to pay attention. You want to, you want to, you want to, you want to be there and, and be in the moment and, uh, and, and experience the whole thing. Um, but at that point, you would, at least in my process, uh, I, I wanted to understand, is this sadness? Is this anger? Uh, is this rage? What, what, what is it that I'm feeling? And then look at those feelings and say, why are you here now? Um, and for, uh, in a sports metaphor, which I think a lot of guys could probably lean into by doing this, I'm not always playing defense. All right. Um, these feelings many times show up as a, as a, a tidal wave of, uh, of despair, of grief, of sadness. And, and instead of just being swept away by that tidal wave and playing defense, I'm like, okay, okay. I have, I seen you before. Uh, what are you? Why are you here? What, what am I supposed to learn from you? And this, I think, is is where my grief process um, might have differentiated itself from a lot of uh, that that men, especially American men, uh, will 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 try to ignore the uh, the pain or to, to bury it or, or put it away, and replace it with any number of things, whether that's substance abuse or uh, if, if that that might be out chasing skirts. Who knows? There's any number of things that that might be chosen to replace this, but. For me, uh, directly addressing this and trying to understand and name the feelings that were, that were hitting me, that is when my left brain allowed my right brain to start coming online. Okay. What is it that, uh, what, what is, what is happening here and what, uh, what can I learn from it? And then I let my right brain take over and, uh, good things started to happen. Um, one of the, one of the metaphors that I like to share with, with people in grief is that if, if anyone ever tells you to move on, Tell them, no, you don't get it. That's uh, I will never move on. Uh, grief is part of my story. Pam is in my bones. I will move forward, and uh, I will do that with intent as much as I can. But moving on, no, that, that 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 that's not part of the picture at all. I am I am moving forward with my former life, with my uh, with with my departed wife in my bones, and I'm trying to find a balance of uh, of doing that as well as enjoying that I'm still here. I, uh, my story is not done yet. I, um, I, I, I believe I'm here for reasons uh, that I'm still figuring out. But moving forward is uh, is what I'm uh, is what I'm focusing on. That's the intent that I have these days. I love that. I love that. So let's. I would love you to expound a little bit more on that. What to you is the difference between moving forward versus moving on? The way I hear moving on is that. Uh, can you put this event, uh, can you forget this event and move on to what's next? You can never forget that event. Pam will always be a part of me. Uh, she was, she was my true love and I was a lucky man to, uh, to have been able to spend that much time, uh, with her. But moving forward, uh, is more along the lines of managing and understanding this grief and growing from, uh, from what has happened here into, into a person that, that she would be proud of, uh, and that, that I have chosen. Um, the old John is gone. Uh, I, I recognized that pretty early on, but I didn't realize how much power I had in terms of defining the new John. So I, and I go into that a lot in the book, whether that's service, uh, I'm a member of Rotary, um, whether that is, uh, there, there's any number of things that are, that are associated with, uh, with the new John and what's, what story I'm trying to write. And part of that 
is to to be able to talk to other grievers in a way that that empowers them uh, and gives them hope. You know, hope for healing, right? Um, what I'm all about. Yes, um, and uh, as I as I mentioned, I read a bunch of terrific books, um, and it was interesting as I read these books. Every one of them had stuff in them that was that was incredibly valuable to me, and also stuff that was like, no, that's not going to work for me. So when I've told anybody who has talked about my book, I said, take a look at it and pick and choose what works for you. There's stuff in there that might not work. Go ahead and toss it off to the side. But look for the stuff that, that really resonates with your head and with your heart and uh, see how that might help you to move forward on your own. I love that. Okay, so now my interpretation of moving on versus moving forward is moving on is kind of pretending that it didn't happen and continuing exactly as I was before, where moving forward is I am a survivor, I am a thriver, and I am going to be a new person. I may have a new trajectory from this point, but that is okay. In fact, I am going to learn and grow and, and I am, I can be happy. I mean, it doesn't mean that that, that piece of her is not still in my heart, but I can still find purpose and meaning in my life. That's exactly right. You're not a victim. I'm not a victim. This is, this is part of the, uh, the uh, agreement we make in this life. Someone's going to die first. I really wish it hadn't been Pam, but that's not the cards that I was dealt. And so now what shall I do about that? Uh, and that takes time. This, uh, I am, I'm not necessarily a patient person. Um, and so I had to sit with this stuff, uh, and just figure out what is it that, that this is going to mean to me? And, uh, what am I going to do with this so that I, uh, I really am living a, a life of purpose and I'm not moving on. I'm moving forward. I'm never going to forget Pam, but, uh, I, I, I wish to be someone that was doing more than just taking up space here. Oh, I like that. Well, I would love, as you talked about some of these things that reminded me of your previous comment, and we talked about kind of that left brain, right brain. And I loved as you were giving me this explanation that you used your strengths. My strengths as being this analytical person is I know how to analyze. I know how to look at something deeply and to examine it. So here I have a whole new set of data that I had never considered before, never asked to consider, but I still have my strengths. I know how to analyze. I know how to think about this. So let's put my strengths and use that to expand my, um, my understanding of my possibility. So I was, I was quite pleased by that and very impressed. I love that we can use our strengths. It's not, okay, now take everything that you've ever learned and throw it out the window and we're starting over. It's no, this is what I'm good at. This is what I know how to do. So how can I adapt that to my new situation so that it benefits me? And so I think you have done that quite beautifully. And I love action steps. I love, it's like, you know, don't just tell me something. Can you show me how to do it? So can you give me some things? And you've talked about service. You really already have given some, but let's have just a few things of, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm lonely. What, what can I do to help make it through today? Maybe that's as far as I'm going to get. Okay, okay. I got a good one for you. Um, so all of this stuff, my brain started to come back online just as COVID hit. 
Oh, yeah. I, I got a big, quiet house. Oh. And I, uh, I was having problems with that. It was a lot of people. I wasn't hearing from many people, whether they were siblings or friends. Um, and it led to anger. All right. I was like, don't you guys know? I'm, I'm hurting now. All right. I, I'm, I'm the guy who needs a, an assist here. And Brene Brown was the one that helped me on this one. And uh, she suggested that I, I reframe my view of all these, these people who are, are not in, getting in touch with me as doing the best they could. This made a huge difference. When I was able to, uh, to walk to that space and say, okay, they're grieving too. They miss Pam as well. Uh, they don't know what to say. And the easiest thing to do is not pick up the phone. And uh, I, I go into this in the book. In fact, I, I actually asked for help from a, for a, a group of about 40 people. And it, it, made a, it made a big difference. So that was one of the big learnings is uh, there, there is grief illiteracy in American culture uh, because we don't get any training in this. Mom and dad don't walk you through. Well, what do you do when you're in deep grief? You got, you got to experience this. You got to read about it. Um, and then you got to give people the benefit of the doubt. And this is, this is what I, this is one of the, the in, intentions that I, I chose. Um, I was encouraged to be kind to myself. One of the questions I ask myself on dark mornings is what would kindness to myself look like today? And when I am, when I'm doing that, when I'm kind to myself, I am almost automatically kind to other people and giving them the benefit of the doubt. And that's the guy I want to be. So there was a there was a lot of uh, a lot of learnings in terms of um, giving all those friends the benefit of the doubt, but I also found out how much of a, a junkie I am for service. Uh, again, I'm a Rotarian. I I love impact. Uh, there's a lot of problems out there. There are deep divides in our nation. There are, there are a lot of areas that I can I can have uh, impact on in in terms of improving lives, and a couple of good things come from that. Number one, my heart is filled. All right. This uh, this feels good to do this. Number two, if I keep my eyes and my ears open, I cross paths with some really terrific people when I'm out helping my hometown or whatever service project I'm part of. Those are the kind of people I want on my radar is the is the ones who care for others. And those are the ones who help me develop this underdeveloped right half of my brain. So there's there's a couple of things that I discovered along the way in terms of who I am and also some some very specific ways to deal with with painful situations like that quiet phone and these are these are some of the reasons I wrote the book is to share this stuff because it allows you to get up off the uh, off the ground and, and dust yourself off and say okay let's let's move forward my my story's not done here yet wow oh my gosh so many good things i'm trying to figure out which which thread i want to follow because there's so many possibilities but i think i would love to go to the part where you said that don't they know that I am lonely? And I think this is a very common thing. You mentioned earlier that we have our own, this is a puzzle, our grief. And in our puzzle, I might grieve differently than you grieve than someone else. For some people, it would be, I need, I want someone to reach out to me, to talk to me. And for some people, it might be, I want to be left alone right now so that I can sit with my grief. And we don't know which thing people want. But we, in our minds, often think, don't they know this is what I need? And it might be, don't they know I need them to call me? Or it could be, don't they know I want to be left alone? And so I appreciate so much that you said, 
you reached out. So you took, this is what I need, and then you took it a step further. Instead of expecting everyone to read your mind, you helped them to know what you need. Because people can't fill our needs if they don't even know what they are. And so I am so proud of you. And if people who are listening can recognize that, even people who love you cannot read your mind, they're going to need some help and some clues for what you need so that they can help you. So that was beautifully done. Another thing that I would love to touch on is anger. For many men, there are only two emotions that they feel comfortable that these are manly emotions, and it is anger and lust. Anything beyond that, they don't want to touch. And so dealing with grief, it doesn't fit in those two. And so we have to be able to open up a little bit. And you mentioned earlier, you had to learn, what am I feeling? Because it's going to go beyond the basic two. So how are you able to say, oh, this is grief, this is this? I mean, did you learn some new words of what possibilities there are in your feelings? Well, Jerry helped me a lot here. Um, So I'm a United Methodist, uh, and I'm a preacher's kid. So their faith is a big part of my uh, part of my life. That, that's that's covered in chapter two of the book, and um, it was important to me to uh, to try to figure out how does this all fit. And uh, my brother was 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 very handy here, and uh, I, I, t- I talked about this with uh, with Jerry. There's a story in the the Gospel of John, chapter nine, where where Christ comes upon and and his and his uh, disciples come upon a blind man on the steps of the of the uh, temple in Jerusalem, and one of the um, one of the disciples says, asks, "Rabbi, is it this man's sin or his father's sin that caused him to be blind?" And I I, I can see Jesus kind of you know, dropping his jaw. He goes, "No, no, no, no. You guys don't get it at all. This man is 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 uh, blind for the greater glory of God. You just can't see the big picture." And so what he does, he spits in the dirt, he makes some mud, he puts it on the guy's eyes, makes him walk down to the pool of Siloam, and boom, his, his eyesight comes back. But that whole thing about you can't see the whole big picture, I'm like, all right. Uh, so the anger that I, the initial anger I had to deal with was the fact that I felt that Pam had been taken from me. And that took a while. That took a while I, to, to finally get to the point saying, and eh, maybe she wasn't really mine all along. But th- what th- that story helped because... There is more to this picture than I can see. And what, what I have come to, uh, the, the space that I'm sitting in now, is that Pam was needed somewhere else more more drastically than she was needed here. I, I do not believe she is just sitting uh, uh, doing nothing. I believe she is doing something somewhere. And that the Almighty had an idea saying, yeah, we could use her. Uh, I do believe I'll see her again someday. But that, that big picture... Uh, portion of it. It got me to the point. Well, let me give you one more story. So in, in the depths of my anger at, uh, at God, um, I, I told this to Jerry. I said, I'm stuck. What, what do I do about this? And she goes, okay, do you can you see God walking next to you uh, through this journey of grief? And I said, no way. And he's not invited. She's not invited. And she goes, okay, uh, can you see some of your friends walking next to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can. There was, there was some people that were, you were keeping an eye on me. And then she goes, you think maybe God's working through those friends to help uh, to help you get through this? And I'm like, ooh, I hadn't thought of that. So it was it was those little kind of things that Jerry kept handing to me that allowed me to to uh, to sneak by this boulder that was in my path and in, keep inching forward. 
Um, and my, uh, my life of faith, my own theology, like I say, is discussed in the book. And I, uh, I'm more comfortable with it. Uh, today's a big day. We're, you and I are talking on Good Friday. And God lost his only son on this day. So uh, we have something in common. Um, so there's, uh, there's, there's that component that allows me to, to get away from the dead end of anger and uh, try to bring both my left and my right half of my brain on board to, to say, okay, how shall we deal with this next job? That's fantastic. And you just brought in a whole new tool to deal with grief. And that is a bigger picture and bringing in your faith in God. And not everyone accepts this tool in their grief process, but those who do find their peace and their purpose, I believe, much faster than those who choose not to use that tool. So, very well done, and thank you for bringing that into the conversation, because that matters. We're talking about our left brain, we're talking about our right brain, we're talking about using the tools and the resources that we have to be able to handle hard things. And I believe bringing in our faith is a wonderful tool to help us handle hard things. Is there anything, John, that you want to make sure that we cover today before we close? I, I would. I would. Um, there's a lot of great grief books out there. I read a bunch of them. I wrote one. Um, and if, uh, if you find yourself in this space, number one, find that counselor, someone you can trust. Number two, start reading. Um, and be, be, uh, feel free to cherry pick. There are things in those books that, that will work for you and other ones that won't. Don't feel bad about the ones that won't. Just put them off to the side and say, I'm going to keep working on these two or three things. And I tried, I tried to compile all the ones that worked for me, um, as, as a means of, of sharing with, uh, primarily men, but any left brain geek out there. <clears throat> this is going to happen. All right. Uh, unless you're the first one to die. Uh, this kind of grief is going to fall in your lap. And in many ways, even if we're not talking about the death of a loved one, there is grief in just about every life. And this is another one of the discoveries that I came up with. And so just being kind to people and, and showing good listening skills and leaning into a little bit of empathy makes a huge difference. Uh, the, if, if people feel they're heard and that, that somebody really cares about uh, the pain that they're going through, that, that kind of encounter sticks with people, and I want to be the one who delivers those things on a regular basis. Um, remember the mental circuit breakers. If this has happened to you, you got to realize your cognitive abilities are going to be down for a while. They're going to be degraded. This happens. You won't see this until you see it in hindsight. But uh, this is part of the survival technique, and it's interesting to look back on those early days of grief and, and see what kind of a of a human I was. I was really just walking around in a fog. And I'm glad that Jerry helped me understand this because that also helped me to, to define and understand the process of coming out of that fog. Some of that is uh, strictly being patient and sitting and sitting with all these new feelings. Some of that stuff you can drive a little bit of it, but not as much as I'd like. I, uh, I have to be patient and let this process work out at its own pace. And I, I, I mentioned that a number of times in the book. And then look clearly and carefully at this new life, life years. What is it that you should do that you would like to do next? You've got, uh, uh, an unbelievable amount of power in the middle of all this pain. Um, but your story isn't done yet. And, uh, there's, uh, there's an intoxicating bit of freedom, uh, and a little bit of control that comes back into your life in that you get to make those decisions. There have been a lot of one to zero votes 
in the Lord All household about what's next for me. Uh, and that was very different than the, the prior three years where we were answering to a lot of requests, demands, uh, instructions from MDs in terms of how we, what were the best practices uh, to allow Pam to, to live her best life. So there's a lot to this. And I, uh, I appreciate you engaging this conversation. I appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy woman, but uh, grief is something that's going to invade and you're not going to get a vote. It's going gonna, it's gonna to land in your life. And hopefully you can get to a place where you can say, okay, you and I are going to wrestle. We're going to talk. Uh, you're not just going to be overwhelming me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to sit with you and uh, I'm going to learn from you in terms of creating whatever is going to be next for me. Thank you. And thank you for helping us to be able to overcome some of our grief illiteracy. Because as you mentioned, we are going to deal with it whether we want it or not, whether we ask for it or not. So thank you for helping to be able to push, um, move that forward so that other people can deal with it a little better as well. So John, thank you so much for visiting with me today. I really appreciate it. Very good. I appreciate you you asking me aboard. I um, I enjoy your podcast and uh, I hope that I, uh, I have given some ideas of value to you and to your listeners. Oh, definitely. You have. In closing, I'd like to share a quote from Gandhi. He said, There are no goodbyes for us. Wherever you are, you will always be in my heart. For those listeners who are grieving the loss of a loved one, I wish you peace and a heart full of love. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. Please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. And if you'd like to heal your life from the inside out, there is a free video series at HopeForHealingFoundation.org. Just click on the free stuff tab. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, and You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.